blessing it is to bring God's word. I was speaking to one of your members this morning, and uh, he said, I know you from the south side. And, <laughs> and I, you know, you, you can try to hide, but you really can't hide. And uh, I said, yeah, but I'm, I'm uh, retired now. He said, you don't ever retire. I said, keep in mind now, I'm retired from pastor, not preaching, okay? <laughs> so he said, okay, that's fine. And number two, let's be in prayer for Pastor Allen and the team uh, on their mission trip. I, my heart goes out to any church that uh, does missions, because that's what we're all about. It's okay to do missions to the local hospital, the local uh, nursing homes, and things like that. But real heart for the world comes when you sacrifice and you go to another country to minister to others. So let's be in prayer for them. Let me read our scripture for today. We'll actually be looking at Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. But I just want to read one verse from Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory? working wonders. For 20 years, I had the privilege of pastoring a church on the north side of Chicago, actually North Shore. And in that time, I had many occasions to speak with people privately about the questions that they had that troubled them about our faith. Some would come to me and say, Pastor, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? It's a good question. Well, they would ask, why doesn't God do something about all the pain and the suffering in our world? Some have said, I pray all the time, but it seems like God just doesn't hear my prayers. Here's another one. I have, I have a terrible time believing that God truly forgave me for all of my sins. And then one, several would ask, how can I completely and utterly forgive a person who has hurt me or someone I love? The answer to these questions and more like them would require a sermon or a series of sermons or even a book to honestly explore the depth of God's word about each topic. Keep in mind, though, what we believe about God will impact our understanding of everything that we see around us, everything that we see on the news, read online, and experience in our daily lives. And what we believe about God will determine how we face the great challenges of life and even the great tragedies as well. That's why this morning, I want to share with you one absolute truth that's undeniable. There's no one like our God. If you learn nothing else from my sermon today, 
You can go home and say, hey, he didn't preach, but hey, you know, he did say, there's nobody like our God. That's what I want you to remember. As we open our text today, we, we have a song of praise and thanksgiving. It is a song by Moses and the Israelites after God had parted the Red Sea and delivered them from Pharaoh and his armies. That's the context. Regardless of our taste in music, we all sing songs to lift our spirits in times of sadness and in times of loss. That's why at the homegoing services of some of our loved ones, we might sing, it is well with my soul. We might sing, what a friend we have with Jesus. Or we might sing, I'll fly away. Whatever song you sing, it has a tendency to lift our spirits. But then sometimes we sing songs of thanksgiving. When we have been delivered from a great trial of life that only God himself could have done. I had nothing to do with it. You had nothing to do with it. God alone delivered us. Can you imagine the joy and the gratitude that filled the hearts of Moses and the Israelites as they witnessed how God defeated their enemies at the Red Sea? Can you imagine how they felt after being enslaved for 400 years in Egypt, then set free because of the ten plagues, and then delivered at the Red Sea by Pharaoh's army? I would imagine they felt the same as we feel. Whenever God delivers us from the problems and pitfalls that enslave us today, if you've ever experienced the joy of being delivered from trying to live life on your own terms, if you've ever experienced the feeling of having God take away the guilt and the shame of your mistakes, and if you've ever experienced the assurance that comes from being in God's family, then you know the unspeakable joy the Israelites felt on the shores of the Red Sea. And you also know why they lifted up a song of praise to God who did what no one else could have done for them. That's why verse 1 says they sang this song to the Lord. The Lord was their focus. He was the focus of their praise and thanksgiving. They said, I will sing to the Lord. Whenever we sing songs of praise, know that you're singing to the Lord. And he's not listening to hear if you're singing with the right key or not. Thank God for that. But God is more interested in listening to your heart sing rather than your voice sing. Moses and the Israelites said, we're singing to the Lord. We're singing to him and nobody else. I don't care what you think about my voice. I'm singing to the Lord. And in verse 2, Moses' song of praise and worship declared that the Lord is my strength. That means that no matter what hardships you face, God strengthens us in all our circumstances and helps us hold on until victory comes. We need to stop believing now. We need to stop believing that somehow we're doing things in our own strength. I don't care what the TV evangelists tell you. I don't care what the prosperity gospel preachers tell you. You don't have any strength but what God has given you. That's why the psalmist says, 
That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 46 that God is our refuge and strength. And ever-present help. Notice ever-present. He's always there. He's not absent. He doesn't check out and sleep. He's always there. He's ever-present in a time of trouble. And he's also present in good times as well. God is the one who's always present with us. To strengthen us in the face of evil. All the evil that's in this world. God strengthens us. God makes us able to deal with the stuff that's going on in this world. And we all know it's a lot of stuff going on. Look to the Lord to give you your strength. Don't look to building your own muscles up. You know, my barber, he goes and works out every week. And he talks about all his muscles and everything. He's a pretty big guy. But I asked him one day, I said, brother, what's going to happen to those muscles when you take your last breath? We need something inside that's going to carry us beyond the grave. And then Moses went on to say, the Lord is my soul. Listen, whenever you go through the difficult times in your life, God will give you a song to sing. Oh, yes, he will. He will give you a song to sing. I don't know what song Paul and Silas sang while they were locked up in the Philippian jail, but we do know that God gave them a song to sing as they waited on a jail break. What's your song today? You ought to have a song today. I love the songs that we sang today. Brother must have known I was going to talk about God today. Because he went through his little hymnal and said, hey, I'm picking out songs that focus on God. You can't go wrong singing about God. What song do you sing when God brought you through a successful search? You didn't sing a song when he brought you through? What song do you sing when you graduated, finally graduated from school? When your kids finally graduated from school? When peace finally comes to your home? What song do you sing when you escaped an accident on Lakeshore Drive? When you finally got the job you always want? When your bills are all paid up? And when God sent you the love of your life? What song did you sing? Oh, you should have had a song to sing when God gave you the desires of your heart. In Moses' song of praise, he went on to say, The Lord has become my salvation. Whether we will admit it or not, we live in a world where sinful people want to see our downfall. And many participate in that downfall. And even our own sinful desires can lead us to our own destruction. But thank God we have a Savior who is able to save us and deliver us when we're unable to save ourselves. Somebody here needs to know that God is in the business of saving believers from all who oppose him. That's why you don't have to be mad at that boss that's not treating you right. You don't have to be mad at that neighbor because it's the devil in them that's causing them to do the things they do. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. That's why God delivered Israel and he will also deliver you. Then Moses declared that the Lord is my God and my Father's God meaning Abraham, and I will praise and exalt him after living 400 years in Egypt among all those false gods 
The Israelites may have been tempted to think that all those Egyptian gods were the real thing. And sometimes we can be deceived in thinking that famous actors and pop stars and movie icons or, or even the American dream itself is worthy of our worship. But when the Israelites saw God divide the Red Sea, when they saw him make a path through the waters and how he defeated Pharaoh's army, they knew that Israel's God was the one and only true God. They knew the same God who delivered them at the Red Sea was the same God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What a special joy it is to see our children and our children's children praising the Lord. What a joy it is. What a joy it is to bring them to church, to have them come forward and receive the pastor's blessings. Not only because they accept the faith, but we pass it on to them. But because we personally, they personally experience the Lord for themselves, they are praising the Lord for themselves and not because you made them come forth. I'm glad that my wife and I passed on our faith to our daughter. But what really fills our hearts with joy is when we see her praising the Lord because of what she has experienced for herself. When she comes to me and says, Daddy, can you give me a scripture for this? Can you give me a scripture for that? Do you know how it fills my heart with joy to know that somehow, some way, we passed it on. But there's no way we could have passed it on on our faith to our daughter if it were not for my grandfather who planted a godly seed in my spirit. When he gave me my first leather bound, zipped up, color illustrated, King James Version of the Bible, with his signature almost faded away now, that reads presented to Edward Brown Jr. by his grandfather Floyd Brown. What a joy! I feel like singing now, and I can't sing, but I feel like saying praise, thank you, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Oh, folks, say thank you. Like Moses in his song of praise, I thank the Lord for my grandfather sharing his God with me. It would be no Ed Brown preaching this morning if it were not for Floyd Brown years ago saying, sit down, boy. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who died. Let me tell you about it. Let me show you some picture in the book with him being whipped and scorned all the way to the cross for you. Let me show you the picture here when he's hanging on the cross. But then let me flip over a few more pages and show you the empty tomb where he rose from the grave so that you two might rise again one day. Shed this old arthritic body. Shed this old body that's getting old and feeble. Oh, I was young once. <laughs> oh, I was a spry young guy. But hey, those days are behind me. And I'm looking forward to his return. Oh, the outward man may be perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Like Moses in his song of praise. I thank the Lord for my grandfather. 
And then in verses 3 through 10, Moses and the people gave a graphic or 3D picture of how God delivered them at the Red Sea. They gave a stirring testimony in a song that they saw with their own eyes. Notice that Moses not only focused on what God, who God is, but he also focused on what God had done. I agree with one biblical scholar who writes, we do not sing in worship to reflect our personal moods any more than our sermons should reflect our pet ideas about God and his word. But instead we sing in an effort to take away to take away from what we think and draw us toward what we ought to think and feel and experience. We sing to create a mood more than to reflect one. Therefore we sing constant, we need constant reminders of who God is and what God has done. End of quote. The people sang a song of worship about the character and the power of God. They testified in song that the Lord is like a mighty warrior. He fought their battle, and he alone gave them the victory. They said Pharaoh's army didn't have a chance. Their strongest horses came roaring out of Egypt. Their fighting men on chariots were picked up like toys and hurled into the sea. The raging waters covered over them. Moses sang of how the Lord's right hand was majestic in power. That means God can do anything he wants to do, anytime and any place. That's the meaning of omnipotent. That's why he could make a highway through the Red Sea and allow the people to walk on dry ground without ever muddying their feet. Look at God's power on display in verse 8. Moses said, the deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. That word congealed means the surging waters actually changed from a liquid state to a hard, solid wall on both sides, all the way down to the very heart of the sea. My brothers and my sisters, there is no one like our God. Yet even in the midst of that awesome miracle, Pharaoh continued to boast about how he was going to destroy God's people. He said, I'm going to draw my sword, and I'm going to hold it in my hand, and with my hand I will destroy them. And then in verse 10, we're told that with one mighty breath from God, the waters covered Pharaoh's arm, and they sank like a rock in the mighty sea. Now, in the midst of all their prayers and thanksgiving, in the midst of all of what God has done, in the midst of all the singing and the dancing and the praise, Moses asked a profound question. Moses asked an amazing question about our God. He interrupted his own song to ask this question. It is a question that was based on what the people knew about God and the wonderful things he had done on their behalf. It is the same faith-filled question that every believer today ought to ask after experiencing a powerful move of God in their own lives. Moses said, who among the gods are like you, O Lord? Who is like you in majestic holiness? 
Who is like you in awesome glory? And who, like, who is like you in working wonders? As Moses stood on the banks of the Red Sea, watching Pharaoh's army sink beneath the water, the answer to his question, who among the gods is like you? The resounding answer has to be, no one is like our God. Because no other God can do you like God. Nobody can do you like Jesus. Nobody is like our God. One scholar says that your idea of God will determine your behavior. Did you hear me? Your idea of God will determine how you act. It will determine your outlook on life and your ultimate destiny in the world. And in the world to come, I have like one of them. It controls what you say out of your mouth. It controls how you treat other people. It controls whether you fill in the seats in the church every Sunday. It controls whether you show up on prayer meeting on Wednesday. It controls whether you treat your wife and your children and your husband right. It controls how you show up on work for your, for your job. Work eight hours and then go home. Not seven and a half or six and a half. What you think about God controls your thinking and your thinking determines how you act. Another scholar says, the most important fact about any man or woman, is not what he or she may say or do, but what he or she in the deepest recesses of their heart believes God to be. What you think about God makes all the difference in the world. The Bible tells us things about God that human wisdom will never reveal. You see, the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us. And I'm only talking about the Bible now. I'm not talking about what my neighbor said. I'm not talking about what somebody else said. I'm talking about, and bless her heart, I'm not talking about what mama said either. I'm talking about what the Bible said. God alone hung the sun, the moon, and the stars in the heavens. God alone carved out every valley and raised up every mountain. God alone filled the oceans with life, taught the fish to swim, and the birds how to fly. No one is like our God, for he alone created every living thing, made every human being in his own image, and gave him the breath of life. There's no one like our God. Egypt was known for their many gods, but none of their man-made gods could keep God's people enslaved for one more day. I wish I could convince you this morning that there's no one like our God. Because no one can free you from whatever enslaves you. No one can part the Red Sea and carry you safely to the other side. No one is like our God. For no one can do what God can do. No one but God would send his son to be born in a filthy, smelly state with a manger for his baby. No one but our God would send his son to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to restore sight to the blind and to feed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves and two small fish. Nobody but our God will allow his beloved son to be stripped and beaten and pierced in the side and nailed to a whole rugged Nobody but our God will permit the mockers to taunt his son while he gave his life for them. 
Nobody but our God will raise his son on the third day and give him the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Nobody but our God will receive his son into heaven where he went to prepare a place for us. And one day he will return. One day he is coming back. One day he's going to part the sky and he's going to come down from heaven and he's going to take us home to be with him. Nobody but our God will one day create a heaven and a new earth and wipe every tear from our eyes. Then there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, because there is no one like our God. Nobody like our God. Yet in spite of Israel's love affair for all those idol gods in Egypt, in spite of the fact that they put those idols before God, God still delivered his people at the Red Sea. And even today, in spite of our love affair with idol gods, in spite of our love affair with the idol gods of money, the gods of fame, the gods of luxury cars, big houses, good looks, sex, yeah, I said sex, and a Facebook filled with friends who we really don't know. Yet our God is still willing to deliver us and set us free. There's no one like our God. That's why Moses invites us to compare the idol gods of this world with the one true God of heaven. In the closing paragraphs, he compares the God of heaven with all these idol gods that are fading away one day. He says, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? My brothers and my sisters, can you name one worldly God who is majestic and holy like our God? That means he is set apart in a class by himself as holy. He alone is righteous and without sin. That's why Isaiah 6 and 1 says, all night long and all day long, Heavenly beings surround his throne singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. You see, nobody is like our God. Can you name a worldly God who is awesome in glory like our God? That means he possesses incomparable strength, brilliance, brightness, magnificence, and grace. John puts it this way in Revelation 21 23. He said, When the new Jerusalem comes down, it will have no need of a sun or a moon to shine in. For the glory of God is enough to give it light. You see, no one is like our God. Or can you name a God who is capable, any of your worldly God, who's capable of working wonders? That means performing miracles. The psalmist says in Psalm 103 that our God forgives our sins. Who do you know who can forgive sin? He heals our diseases. Can your car heal your disease? Who redeems our life from the pit? Can your house redeem your life from the pit? Crowns us with love and compassion. Who satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the evening. My brothers and my sisters, he alone works wonders. Every day he's working wonders. God is moving all through our lives, every day, wherever we go, working wonders. He's working wonders when souls are saved. He's working wonders when marriages are restored. 
when broken marriages are restored. He's working wonders. When he breaks an addiction, like alcoholism or drug addiction, he's working wonders. When he brings a prodigal son and daughter home again, he's working wonders. When he delivers abused children, heals diseased bodies, provides a job, a roof over our head, food on our table, and love from our hearts. He is working wonders when he causes you to love others that you couldn't stand before. He's working wonders when he causes you to walk differently, to talk differently. He's working wonders when your heart is on fire with the Holy Spirit. He's working wonders when you pray for others. He's working wonders when you treat your brother right. He's working wonders when you learn how to share the gospel. He's working wonders when you come before him and say, Lord, forgive me. He's working wonders. He's a wonder-working God. He's an on-time God. Nobody is like our God. He's majestic in holiness. Set apart. No one is like him. Awesome in glory. Brilliant. Bright. Shining in perfection. And always working wonders. Always doing things that men themselves cannot do themselves. There is nobody like our God. My only question to you is, why don't you serve him? What's holding you back? Why don't you give your life to him? Why don't you walk with him and talk with him? Why don't you share the good news? Because there's nobody, nobody like our God. He saved you, didn't he? He gives you breath to breathe, doesn't he? He gives you children and grandchildren, doesn't he? He gave you a wife and a husband, didn't he? He gave you the job you have, didn't he? All the money you have, he gave it to you. There's nobody, nobody, nobody like our God. Oh, I wish I could convince you of that. There's nobody like him. Nobody like him. And you know, yes, I'm retired from pastor. Because the Lord called me to pastor just like he called me. Not to pastor to retire because he had something else for me to do. But thank God he didn't take away the preaching. He kept the preaching. He kept the fire burning. And I thank him because there's nobody, nobody like our God.